You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Yeah, here we are for another spectacular edition of Felony Inc. Podcast. I'm your co-host, DJ Dick Hennessy, my other co-host, Mark... Gailey Daly. From Murder, Inc. Uh, Murder, Inc. <clears throat> you know, we're broadcasting live from Dead Space in scenic downtown Portland, Oregon. And uh, we have a very special guest tonight, or today, this morning, whatever this is. It's your night. It's my yeah, morning. It is my night still. Uh, it's Dan Bielenberg, uh, the creator of Business in a Box, which is awesome. In my opinion, really, really inspirational and really i mean uh, let me just say this in a society that houses the largest inmate population on earth anything that could be done to curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable and dan i believe that you are on the front lines of curbing or attempting to curb that recidivism rate would that be correct uh one of many but yeah very nice words thank you so much no problem excellent words business in a box that's Excellent too. Um, as, speaking about the recidivism rate, um, Mr. Hennessy, um, do you know any stats on those that we can? I'm just curious because I keep saying recidivism. So what's what's the recidivism rate in uh, Oregon? You know, <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know specifics somebody, in terms of state by state, but uh, I know that it's probably high. I know that I think it's somewhere around 75, 80 percent of people that go to prison go back. That's crazy. Um, Dan, I don't know if you uh, if you've done research on this and you can correct us, but. The state numbers are lower than that, um, but it's all about how you measure recidivism, and, and that's one of the issues is that there's a number of different ways of, ra- of, of ranking that or rating that. But what Oregon looks at is in three to five years, have you committed a new crime? And about a third will, and about two-thirds will not. Uh, but it doesn't measure, like, the parole violations and the returning. Uh, you know, now we do the alternative incarceration plan, so people are, are let out early. Um, and so it doesn't measure the guys that are failing in that. So uh, wouldn't measure like a drug overdose. A guy gets out and six weeks later overdoses on heroin. It's not going to measure that. So, yeah, the, the numbers are a little bit skewed. Um, but anything we can do to keep a guy from returning to prison is a benefit to the taxpayers. It's a benefit to society. It's a benefit to the guy. And so we put that in the wind column. Absolutely. And I guess it... It depends on what your definition of what is is in terms of recidivism, right? Exactly, yeah. right. So my, you know, my goal is the guys go home one time. It's really pretty simple. I like that. That's the right goal. Welcome home. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Dan, yeah, uh, one trip home. <laughs> one trip home for sure. That is the goal. Um, for people that are just joining us that may not be familiar with what you're doing, may not have heard the last podcast, you give us a brief. Uh, kind of intro on your background and what you do for a living, uh, how you're co- connected with the uh, Corrections um, Institute. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, came to prison uh, about 18 and a half years ago, I actually toured a couple correctional facilities late 2001. Uh, that was like a big economic downturn. So prior to that, I made a, made a living um, building homes, building cabinets, uh, doing design work, uh, just lots of different things. And then with a downturn after 9-11, um, started looking for, like, seriously looking for a state job. Prison was not on the radar at all. But I had a guy like, you need to go to prison. And I'm like, I don't really think I want to be on either side of that. And so um, I took a tour of a couple of the facilities in Salem. And I said, you know what, I think I can do that. And so when I entered corrections in September of um of 2002, my goal was to do 20 years as a correctional officer and stay out of politics and, and stay out of, you know, advancing and stay out of manager roles and just retire, um, you know, happy 20 years later. And I saw like instantly, I saw potential for my skill set away from security. So I, I do have a background in security. I was a CEO over at Mill Creek for three years. And then I moved into an area of programs 
And um, we used to call it inmate work programs. Now we're calling it institution work programs. January 1 of this year, the uh, state changed its constitution. We're not going to use the word inmate any longer. We're using adults in custody or adult in custody. And is so it, is, that, um, is that better? I guess I, I guess think it, words matter. It doesn't. So we're not labeling people as inmates. They're adults in custody. OK, I see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, uh, 30 years ago, they were convicts. What are they, and then well, they we became, just make, it, So next we can make them adults in transition. Right. <laughs> Going Right. Exactly. Yeah. Transitioning home. So um, I sit in a big red chair and I run as many programs as I can convince my bosses make sense. Uh, the majority of my work, uh, we work our fellas in the community on work crews. So it's usually a CO supervises up to 10 people and they help other agencies uh, with manual labor tasks, uh, leaves, mowing, trash pickup, uh, guardrail repair. Uh, we work probably about 80 adults in custody from our facility in the community every day, remind them to come home every night and just giving them like good work ethic, like show up on time, have a good attitude. Uh, they're cleared. So they're, you know, not the dangerous offenders and they're helping stretch the tax dollars of department of transportation or Oregon state parks or Salem parks, those types of things. Sounds good. Um, so Dan, just out of curiosity, you know, you start, off as a corrections officer, you said Mill Creek. Yes. Yeah. So, um, when you know, it's so easy as a corrections officer just to kind of get inundated into the system and not really care about people and look at everyone like right. a number and treat everyone the same and all that type of right. thing, you know stuff. Do you feel like there was a specific drive in, inside you from the beginning to help people or want to help people to kind of break this cycle of you know criminal living and uh, just that mentality like was there something special about you or did it did it come on later after you started working and you saw what was really happening i think it really came later um there was definitely a little ember in in my heart saying i want to help this guy but when i started in the business you're exactly right treat him like a number not not a name or not a person because we don't want to have favorites and then don't do for one what you can't do for all fourteen thousand. that was like the big deal when i started in the business and I, you know, I'm a good soldier. I can do that. And so there were like, there were days, like, I'm ashamed to say this, but there were days when I said, I don't want to talk to an inmate today, you know, so I'm just going to be the guy that says, don't talk to me. Um, but I knew, like, in my heart of hearts, I knew that there was a bigger or a better way to do things. And so I came into the area of programs in 2005, but I was kind of in an area without a lot of contact. And uh, so I had I, I had like a pretty easy gig and I did I pushed a lot of contracts, a lot of paperwork, a lot of billing, um, did a lot of uh, crew checks and traveling and stuff. And then a few years after that, um, bosses moved my office into uh, like the main hallway where people arrive and and go. They go to and from the prison all the time. Visitors come through here. So um kind of began uh, a transition phase for me where I was getting some one-on-one -on -one time and some one-on-one -on -one contact. About the same time, we got a new director, Colette Peters, who said, we don't have to treat everybody the same. Uh, we can treat them like a human. And that's when we really started looking at how we're doing business and what, what matters and how do you change people. So would would you say that mentality of just treating everyone like a number and just very impersonal is is a negative thing or do you think that's like as far uh, as I think that's the worst thing you that's the worst thing you could do to a person. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's dehumanizing. I, yeah, I I agree completely. So I'm I'm just wondering was there like a moment of clarity that you had where you were like, "Wait a minute. You know, some of these people are actually have a lot of potential. Uh some of these people may be, you know, able to do something super productive with their lives. Let me let me nurture that. And let me let me try to help that." Yeah, I started started just studying like our mission statement for the Oregon Department of Corrections and how can we make, you know, a person better? How can we show them a a way a different way of doing things or a different way of looking at things? So, and that's about the same time I started having more and more contact. I like to say I spent like the first half of my career trying to avoid the long-term fellas because I feared that they were smarter than me and they would outsmart me and and and, you know, <laughs> get over on me. And now uh, it's like very clear to me, I really need to be around the long-term fellas because they're like way smarter than I am. And they know what they know what they need, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, all you have time to do is is think and and kind of get more mentally in tune with whatever you want to put your mind to. So if it's uh, manipulating corrections officers or whatever it is, you know, you're going to be the best at it. It's kind of uh, right, yeah, right, you know, right. You have all the free time in the world, essentially, to kind of hone in your skills. Um, it seems like it would get easy sometimes um, to get jaded as a correction officer because I know a lot of inmates are rude and disrespectful and you know talk shit. So, I mean, did you come across that a lot? Um, and you know, people, I, I see it. Like, it's less prevalent today, but I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be one of those little assholes, but you know, when I matured a little bit, then I realized, you know, this is this is a guy, and I'm, I'm gonna be respectful to them because I might he might help me out somehow, you know. So right, all right. Yeah, he. I mean, we're all going to work. We're all making a living. We're all providing for our family. Right. Absolutely. And you know, when you're in jail or prison, and uh, there's always certain corrections officers or certain COs that are like the cool ones. And there's certain ones that you just know not to mess around it was, with. It was always like the rookie that was um, on, you know, on two bar that was, uh, you know, had to make a name for himself, or he's, you know, he's going to shake down your cell. Or the other guys are just they right. don't want to, they don't want to shake down a cell after they shake right. down so many. That's, you know, you never know what you're going to find, right? Right. Well, right. Yeah, Dan, I want to get into business in a box, but I just have one question, like real quick, like when you when you came up with the idea or you started kind of coming up with the idea as a group collective uh did you get any kind of backlash from your uh other corrections you know your co-employees like your mentors people that you worked with did they were they trying to tell you not to do this at all uh there there's some uh, definitely there's some people that are not the biggest supporter of the program um but it, the concept was brought to me as uh just take a look at this and tell me if it makes sense to you or not yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, how long ago did you actually establish business in the box? It, we're we've been in business uh, just about four years. Uh, the the concept um, came to us uh, right at four years ago, and then we began putting um, you know things on paper. Uh, we actually did our first transaction uh, August of uh, twenty sixteen. Okay, wow, it's been a while now. Um, and for the people that are just joining us or may not have heard of this before or don't are not familiar with business in a box, can you give us a light like description of what that actually entails and what that is? Yeah, it's a uh, entrepreneurship program, and so the Department of Corrections took a look uh, and and created a new area of programming called Leap. It's learning entrepreneurship through the arts and production. And um, even though the policy, like I helped to write the policy as Business in a Box was functioning and, and, and rolling out, um, it's not an opportunity that's, that's going on in every location in Oregon, but it is an opportunity that's going on in some locations in Oregon. And it's just a chance to tap that creative spirit. You, I don't think you have to wander around a prison very long before you see talent especially in the art or in the jewelry making. And so, uh, you know, for a long, long, long time, guys did anniversary cards or birthday cards or Mother's Day cards or Father's Day cards, you know, when they trade, you know, a, a small bag of coffee or a big bag of coffee for a little bit of artwork. And that's kind of called like the black market. And so that was going on every day in every prison probably in the world. And so Business in a Box is a way to tap that creative spirit and that creative nature and legitimize the trading and sale of goods. So there's, you know, some policies, staff can't do business relations with adults in custody, adults in custody can't do business relations with other adults in custody. But we had to go in and find, you know, the workarounds and be able to write policy for except in these cases. And so business in a box is an opportunity for the very well behaved to order raw goods make a product and sell it to their peers, other adults in custody, sell it to staff, sell it to visitors, sell it to the public, um, sell it to contractors, sell it to people who come in contact um, with them through, you know, normal, normal channels. It's not like their prison job at Santa Am Correctional Institution. It's what they do with their idle time. So that's at Santa Am. Yeah, CIM Correctional Institution, Salem, Oregon. That's where I paroled from. And they didn't have it there. But um, what so year? Uh, Two thousand eleven. Okay, cool. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's, been, <laughs> it's been four years for him. So, 
it, it just seems like when you start to do that, when you uh, embark on this mission to do that, it's it, to me it feels like there would be a lot of red tape and a lot of kind of gray area and questionable things about this because there's so many you know stipulations in terms of monetizing things in prison and you know people you know extortion is a huge thing as well um right, did, right. did you incur did, did you encounter anything like that when you first began this oh boy howdy yeah yeah we were probably four months um cutting the red tape i learned how to run with scissors it's cool <laughs> it was good to hear so this is so this is necessarily in minimum um prisons you know, it's it's the hardest to do in minimums. Um, it's a little easier to do with the longer term people. Okay. Um, so but it's, it, it's a challenge to do in the minimums. But that's that's Sandy M is a minimum, and that's that's where my office is. So that's where we make it happen. Okay. So yeah, I could see you know um, like OSP having like you know they used to have a hobby shop. Now they got like you know places where they go and they um, do their art and they uh, can sell it like online. Right. Or, yeah, that's that's incredible. Right. Yeah, and that's their day job. So ours, it's their idle time. Okay. And just out of curiosity, um, like, is there, like, basically, people are doing artwork, they're doing all these things. Is there, like, a blueprint that you follow from another state, or is this the, like, is there any, any other corrections institutions in other states that are doing a similar program, or is this the first of its kind? You know, um, I've visited a few other states, and I can tell you that there are some similarities. Uh, I was on vacation as we were starting business in a box in Montana. The Montana State Prison has a similar program where they sell at a gift shop. Uh, they also sell tours of the Montana State Prison. Um, so they do a lot of horsehair, a lot of native art, native jewelry, that type of stuff. And so it is a little similar to that. But I don't know of too many programs where... Uh, the funds are 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 kept by the person producing the goods. Um, we don't take much from our businesses. Uh, we do charge them a bench fee, similar to rent. Um, our rent runs either five, ten, or twenty dollars per month, depends on what the business sales are for the month. And so we're pretty low overhead, um, and we return most of the money to uh, the business owner. That makes sense. You know, my my main curiosity was like if there was any way to kind of take this and expand it to other states or if there's, you know, bureaucratic type things that impede that progress or if you're even interested in expanding out of Oregon. Uh, That's a lot of work, but I would love to. Like, I'll share my story with anybody that'll listen for sure. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work because there's a lot. Like you said, there's a lot of rules to prevent the extortion and to keep those those uh, boundary lines clear. But it's uh, it's completely worth it. I mean, it's, it sounds. I mean, for me, if I was a CEO and I was working with inmates, really, you start to kind of take a liking to some of them. You see certain kind of positive aspects, and some you want to see them get out of there and do good with their lives. In my opinion, from a human aspect, and I feel like that kind of is what motivated you and inspired you to even begin on this journey. And I mean, let's just let's be honest with you. You didn't have to do this. Like you could have easily just went to work every day, it would have made no difference at all. You could have went home. Right. In fact, I said those words like I don't have to do this. Yeah. You know, but um, it just made too much sense to not do it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and that goes back to my original question: is like you know people had to. I feel like other CEOs might have made fun of you or whatever because really you're working a lot more for nothing. You know, just for something you believe in, something you think is a positive thing. And uh, right. the the majority of people don't see things that way, you know. Right. But now we have a guy doing leather, and he has a reason to go talk to a CEO and say, dude, your cuff case could have your name on it, or your cuff case could have your initials on it, or your cuff case could look a little newer, a little nicer, and what if I made a cuff case for you? Yeah. You're talking so, about Adam with the leather work? Yeah. yeah. Adam Jacobs, <laughs> yeah. you know. There's a guy who turned his life around. Yeah, absolutely. I did, you know, I did my homework. I was going to go into this whole thing later on in the in the podcast and do a little segment about it. But just while we're on that that topic of Adam, how's how's he doing? What's happened with him specifically in the last year or so? 
so Adam hasn't checked in with me in a minute. Uh, I know he got out. I know he's doing great. I know he's working. Uh, I believe he's doing concrete work. I know he had a full ride scholarship to the University of Oregon. I'm wow. not sure if he uh, took them up on going to school. I know he got married, uh, and I know he's doing great things with his life, and I believe he's still doing leather as a hobby. But uh, I do check up on my guys like through the 400 system, and Adam has not been in any type of trouble. That's incredible. I mean, that is a true 100% success story. And me personally, I graduated from U of O. I'm a duck. How, do you know go what, Ducks. Yeah, go Ducks. Do you know how specifically you got that, you was able to attain that you know, scholarship from U of O? Yeah, I know it was with the help of our education department. Yeah. So they were really pushing uh, for him to apply. Adam's dream in life was to go be a chemical engineer. And he's super smart, and he did great in college. He did great with his business. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that that guy's going to be 100% successful just doing whatever he puts his mind to it. But he's a guy who self-admitted to um, never completing anything that he had ever started in his life. Uh, business in a box and college, those were the first few things that he started and completed. In fact, Adam came into my office one day with his head hanging pretty low, and he begged me to let him get out of business in a box. And I'm like, nope, not happening, dude. You signed up for it. We're going through it all the way together. So um, super humble, great guy, and doing great things now that he's out. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get better than that. That yeah. has to be a really great feeling for you, honestly. That's like, incredible. No, he's a rock star. And he's probably always been a rock star, you know what I mean? But he just needed somebody to show him the the road just a little bit, just a little bit of motivation, a little bit of opportunity. So right now, as, as we're talking, do you have another Adam, so to speak, in terms of like anyone that you're curating, anyone that has that similar type of potential that you're working with? You know, they're all, they're all special and they all have um, that potential and they're all doing really good. Um, the program... Uh, went through a security audit in 2019, and it was a challenge. It was a big challenge, and it really, uh, like they told us they were going to close the program for a couple couple of days for an audit, and it ended up being weeks, and then pretty soon weeks were looking to turn into months. And so we were able to, um, to survive that and make a few changes to um, the different classifications of tools and how the, the inventory works and the check-in and check-out procedure, and we're back up to running full speed. Um, but we're in a little weird spot where everybody in the program is going home this year, and most of them are going home in the next couple of months. And so we've really had to begin, um, you know, for our survival, we've really had to begin to recruit pretty heavily. And, and being a business owner is not for everyone, but can we find, you know, the next Adam at our place here? And and I believe we can. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably shout out to Jorge. Uh, I, I don't want to give like a, a ton of details, but Jorge is a guy who is uh, going home in a few weeks, and um, he has um, he's been able to use Business in a Box as a vehicle to help turn his life into a very positive direction. And that was actually one of the main things I was going to ask about Jorge, just the story of Jorge that you had last time you were on the podcast about him doing uh, developing the teddy bears that had recorded, you could record your voice and send a teddy bear to a loved one with your voice. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I was really curious on how that has, uh, you know, if there's, if it's blown up or what's happened with that. Yeah. So we, we still can do that. Um, if you, if, if you don't know anything, you know, about the incarcerator, about prison, know this, they can't go shopping. They can't buy a present. They can't give a gift to a child or to a daughter, you know, a son or a daughter or to a wife or a girlfriend or to a mom or a dad. But through Business in a Box, they're allowed to uh, go shopping, find a present. In Jorge's case, he was doing uh, teddy bears, and he would do a customized T-shirt, and then he would do a voice recording. So the dads of the world could record their voice and give that teddy bear to their child, and they would get to leave the visiting room with it. And so for the first time ever, they were able to go shopping. They were able to do a custom design T-shirt, teddy bear, uh, put them in a, you know, in a room, and they could record whatever they wanted. Uh, for their, you know, for their loved one, for their moms or their dads or for their kids, and then the kid would would get that in visiting and, and go home with it. Uh, Jorge ended up um, 
just kind of turning and heading in a different direction and utilizing his art skills a little more. And he purchased one of the other fellas' uh, wood-burning business. And Jorge is doing more wood-burning um, than anything else. And he's doing some remarkable wood-burning work. Uh, he's, he gets commissioned all the time from different people. Uh, he's just wrapping up um, an anniversary present for one of the staff at, a, at another uh, location. They commissioned him to do an anniversary uh, present for her parents. I think it's their 35th wedding anniversary. And so it's got all, all the things in their lives that are important to them and, and this wood burning thing. And so Jorge was able to do that. And I got the, uh, the money order sitting on my desk. So ready to deposit that into his account once she picks it up and she's good with everything. So That's- Jorge is doing great. Um, he's going to go forward and do great things in his life for sure. That's cool that um, a, a staff member can buy something from an inmate and, and you know, give it as a gift. But uh, we got to take a break here. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Oh, that was so nice hearing Lad's voice. Lad, shout out to you, my good friend, and Dave Dahl, Dave's Killer Brett. Thank you guys for uh, starting this awesome podcast. It's the fastest hour in podcast. So let's get back to our guest. Dick, you got some good questions. Yeah, yeah. Dan, are you still with us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm here. Dan, the man. So, uh, I mean, that was a, that was a really inspiring, inspirational story about uh, Jorge. Um, but it seems like if if I was in jail, if I was in prison, and I was I saw this program, I would be highly motivated to be a part of it. Do you have like a, a long waiting list for this, or is it you got you have to kind of motivate people to get be a part of it, or how's that situation looking like a year into it? Yeah, what qualifies an inmate to be able to, to got you know obviously good behavior, but let's then cherry pick the yeah most talented inmates. I'm assuming. Well, one, I mean, one, they got to have talent, right? Yeah, of course. What if there's like a troublemaker that's very, very talented? Like I was, I was a troublemaker, <laughs> but you know, I got some talent. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, too bad for me. I have to do like six months good behavior. Like uh, we 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 go for a year, a, a year of good behavior. Oh, geez, I uh, we do can, that. <laughs> we, come on, man! I'll give you reason. A year. Um, yeah, we go we go for a year of good behavior. We can start guys in. Um, you know, before that comes, just depends on how much time they have left. But honestly, they're going to spend a few weeks to a few months writing a business plan, and then they're going to start coming to classes, and they're going to develop and cultivate and present that business plan and make some adjustments. And then the big day uh, for them is I jump on my computer, I log into the Secretary of State's website, and I register their business with the with the state of Oregon. I was just going to ask that. And I, then I print their paperwork, and uh, they are a business owner. So in, they, in they, Oregon, you can do sole proprietorship. You don't have to register your business, but I want these guys to hold that piece of paper and feel that sense of accomplishment. We have some scholarship money. If you know if they're truly indigent and they don't have the fifty bucks or they don't have some support, uh, we can. That's not going to be a barrier. We'll get them past that. Uh, but then they're going to have to order the goods and, and begin producing and stuff. So it's kind of a process. Um, but we definitely look at behavior. We look at, at behavior, and I don't just want the guys to behave when they're in the room or when I'm at work for those 40 hours during the week. I want them to be well-behaved on the yard and in the housing unit and all the time. And so that's, uh, you know, we look at at how they're behaving, and that's a conversation that we have, and you have an opportunity to make a choice. You can be in business in a box, or you can run with your homies, and I just need you to pick or one. Or you can be in a box. <laughs> Right. And that's a pretty simple conversation. And I, if I need to, like, if I don't see the improvements and the changes and, and you're still running with the gangs and you're still doing, you know, things that you shouldn't be doing, I'm going to remove you until you can, you know, pull your head out and, and be good for a year is, is really what I'm looking for. Because 
that I want I want to be the motivator to have you make solid choices to keep you from coming back to prison once you go home again. Mm. Just and that's important. And that's important in society running a business. You got to be able to act right, I guess, for lack of a better right? word. Yeah. I know you so, can. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't want to invest all this time into people, you know, if they're just going to throw it all away and inevitably. But uh, but jeopardizes the whole program for everybody is what it does. Of course. And my question is, you know, I remember uh, I listened to the last podcast twice just to study up on this, and I'm I'm really actually intrigued by this a lot. Um, but just out of curiosity, in the last one you said that it's essentially like a one strike you're out type of thing, right? If if I remember, Ooh, did I say that? I, I, well, I think you said if you if you do anything to mess up, like we just take you out of the program. If, if, did I misinterpret that or? I could have said those words. I might be just a little nicer now. That, that podcast was what a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, it was a year, year and a half or so ago. So yeah, and and yeah. that and that was leading to my next question: is have the rules or you know anything the basic structure evolved over the last years? It stayed pretty much the same. You know, we review those regularly, and uh, when we started the program, there were some interest in like some service-oriented businesses. And I took a pretty hard no to that line. I just didn't want, you know, I didn't want to go down the road just fearful in my own heart about building a solid program that had, um, that was very strong and could stand on its own two feet. I just didn't want to have the, uh, you know, the opportunity for someone to abuse a service oriented type industry. But four years down the road, we are entertaining notions for uh, service-oriented businesses. I got a guy named Donnie who has pitched his business plan, and I've approved it. The group has approved it. I've sent it to the boss. It's pending uh, their approval. Um, Donnie was the three-star athlete, graduated high school in the in the Portland area, went off to med school, uh, San Diego State University, I want to say. And his junior year, he forgot uh, to sign a piece of paper to renew his scholarship in the spring. In the fall, he received a bill from the college for nearly $100,000, and he like couldn't believe that he had made that mistake, and he just spiraled downward and picked up a uh, about a 120-month sentence. And he is uh, working for me as an interest in business in a box. Uh, if I didn't say he was in med school or pre-med, he that's what he was doing. And so instead of being a doctor, uh, Donnie found like he went down a bad road, lots of anger issues, did some seg time. Um, but now Donnie's found fitness and he is a certified fitness instructor. And so the business that he's pitching to us is to be, um, kind of a fitness coach, if you will, where he can, uh, help with diet and nutrition and workouts and body fat composition. And, um, you know, he's just a big CrossFit fan. That sounds cool. And what about, so, um, I have an idea. What about a tattoo shop? Did you guys, is that something you guys could do in there? I know there's a lot of tattoos. You know, I want to do a tattoo shop in a bad way. I actually had one of the bosses ask me, uh, we were in a statewide meeting. He asked who wanted a, t- a tat shop. And I think my hand was the first <clears> to go up. And so one of my dreams is to do a tat shop. The challenge is, um, like if I find a, uh, um, a licensed tattooist, it would be super easy, but the challenge is the licensing fees, uh, to go through school and stuff, you know, in Oregon is super expensive. I'm a licensed tattooist. I can, I can definitely, do you want to come? I do. You want to come to prison? But I don't want to go to prison. So, I want to, I want to teach people how to be a, um, a licensed tattoo artist with, you know, the safety and sanitation laws, the, <clears throat> the business you know, ethics and stuff like that. I think that's because I've seen a lot of incredible talented tattoo artists that they get out and it's 12 grand to go to um, tattoo school and they just they give up. Um, right. You know, and, they, and so I would love a tattoo school and I would love to use the revenue to do tattoo removal in prison so we can get oh. get rid of the, you know, the FUs on the foreheads of some of these guys. Right. Right. Yeah, and then get absolutely. some licensed tattoos. So Business in a Box has designed tattoos, um, part of the artwork, part of the stuff that we do for Business in a Box. And I'm definitely looking for, you know, an instructor and a licensed tattoo artist so that we can write a tattoo program. I think that that would be super well received as we, you know, change how we're doing the business of corrections. And I think that, um, you know, that our facility would be would welcome that with open arms. That would be super would, cool. Would that be Sani M facility? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. OK, that's yeah. awesome. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do barber instructing there. I mean, they used to back in the um, vocational re- uh, voc- vocational training. They did like you know they had barber school. So I mean, um, s- barbering and tattooing licensing laws are are pretty much similar, other than a few because they're dealing with blood and skin. There's more, um, you know, the universal precautions and um, safety and sanitation on that level. Yeah, that's that would be so cool. I think the best tattooists come out of prison. I think the best barbers come out of prison. I think it's uh, you know, I think we have the the mindset and the culture to do those those jobs really well and I think it's an area that we definitely need to to explore. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Absolutely. Uh so Dan, just out of curiosity, let's say that hypothetically I'm a, a adult in custody, is that what is that the term? An adult in custody. Yeah. Let's say I'm yeah. an adult in custody and I'm listening to this and I'm inspired uh, to, to try to get into this program and enter business in a box. Uh, is there any kind of parameters? Is there any kind of stipulations that you look for? Like, can lifers join or is it just specifically people that have a release date within a certain amount of years? What what do you look for, essentially? in a? In a in, now you're about to have to redo the whole class from what it sounds like. So right now, what... what Specifically, if I wanted to be in it, what would I have to, how could I do that? So I get kites every week from all over the state. You've got to be minimum custody. You've got to be well-behaved. And if your uh, counselor is on board with you coming to San Diego Correctional Institution to do business in a box, I'm on board with bringing you here. I don't normally get involved in moving people from one facility to another, but business in a box is an example of when I do get involved in that. And I would love to have you here, and I would love to have you in our program. Yeah, that would be a big um, issue, um, having to move inmates, because everybody wants to go do that. So um, how many kites do you get uh, a week you have to go through? A lot. Like 200 <laughs> or 300? I don't know. I, I know I would put you, I would fill out a kite for sure. That's, if they had that program when I was in there, I'd be all about it. Yeah, it's it's not... You know, I don't get like hundreds of kites every week, but I do get kites each and every day. And most of them are legit, meaningful. They're not just blowing smoke. And I try to be a, a great staff and answer all my kites in a super timely, timely manner. How I got many, one on my desk. How many people are in your program? What's the maximum capacity of inmates that are in um, that you could house or train at one time in building uh, business in a box? We like the number to be around 10, uh, 10 to 12. If it gets bigger than that, it's we outgrow the room, and it gets like super just busy, loud, and, and space. So it's all about space and supervision. Now, do you have any kind of promotional materials, or is this just all word of mouth that people hear about you and contact you? So we do uh, we do promote it in uh, A&O, so everyone coming into same correctional institution is required to go to admission and orientation and i go every monday and i pitch the program and so and then as it goes um it it is word of mouth at the other facilities i am lucky enough i get to travel usually in the winter time uh doing a, a fire extinguisher service and so while i'm at the other facilities i'm always asked about business in a box uh or some of the other programs that we're working on also so the the reputation precedes itself essentially Right. Um, so just real rapid fire, you know, just from listening to the last podcast a couple of times, uh, out of curiosity, I was just wondering if we could get a couple of updates on some of the people you were talking about and what they're doing now. Um, you know, if, if they're successful, if it worked, if it didn't and and why not, uh, if that's OK with you. Do it. Um, so real quick, uh, you had a voiceover artist uh, named Justin who was sound like he was very concerned because he got his first voice order work uh, and it was of the homosexual nature and he had an issue with that specifically but that's how you kind of break into the industry correct uh i was i was kind of wondering what what had happened with that since then uh justin is out and doing very well he is uh working for a roofers union in portland and uh he says it's not very hard to look good uh working in the roofers union (laughs) I don't know if Justin pursued his voiceover uh, passion or not. Uh, I need to ask him that. I can send him, I can find out and and let you know and follow that up. But Justin is a cool dude. Um, He is definitely a fan of Business in a Box. Well, I'm sure he is. But 
I remember there was a, you said it was a challenge trying to figure out a way to do, you know, like very quality recording of voiceover work in prison. Um, did, I'm not sure if you actually figured that out or if that's still kind of going on as a uh, you know, situation that's difficult. So it is a challenge to find a quiet uh, place where we're not, you know, inundated with announcements and, and uh, just noise and traffic and stuff. We still do some voiceover work, and we do that uh, usually in my office. So you have a like a microphone and a computer set up to do voiceover work in the office? Yep. And Justin is still doing voiceover work. I get this pretty good money doing that. The There's hey. great money doing oh, that. Yeah. I think we interviewed somebody on here once that um, did that as part of the other thing he was doing. He was talking about doing these books, the how audios, about, how, audio books. How about Todd Brown? That's who it is. That's who, yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, he's doing audiobooks, and he did talk about, there was, um, you know, uh, homosexual books were a lot of them, and that was big money, you know, so <clears throat> that's what... His, yeah, Todd Brown lives in the house that gay romance and zombies built. Yes, that's it. I remember it now. It all came back to me. Yes, the zombies. <laughs> yes, I, that guy was awesome. So one of, the neat, one of the neat things about Business in a Box that was kind of an unforecasted benefit is the connections that we're able to make across the state and the United States with these people that, you know, have a heart for the incarcerated or they were formerly incarcerated and they want to help and they're our guests. Uh, so Todd Brown comes in two or three times a year as a guest speaker and, and talks like the real talk, because Todd did like 13 years over at EO, and Todd had his first book published uh, while he was incarcerated. So um, I get to meet these really cool people and put them on our fan club. Me and Dick would like to come speak. <laughs> we would love to have you uh, as a guest. Uh, Justin's texting me right now. Uh, 11 books under contract. Wow. Three studios. Right on. 11 books. 11 books. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's right? actually inspiring, and it's encouraging. Um, you know. Right. Um, that's got to be talent, whether you got to, you know, cross the genre of, you know, your orientation or not, you know, that's, that's acting, being an actor or actress or whatever. That's, that's a challenging job. And that's, uh, you know, good for, good for, you know, being able to, um, take on another role and, 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 you know, own it and make it believable. So, yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. One other person that you mentioned was William who was doing airbrush work at the time. Uh, do you have an update on him at all? Chili? Chili, um, he did a motorcycle fairing on a Harley for a sergeant here, uh, was one of his best pieces. And he left uh, Business in a Box to go to Columbia River and do AIP. And then his go-home plan was uh, Prineville and be able to help out his dad and do some uh, more airbrushing on vehicles out of the Prineville area. I have looked up Chili uh, in the last month. Uh, and he's doing good, but I'm not sure what he's doing for work and for money. I know uh, some people in the Portland area crossed paths with him, uh, and they confirmed to me that he was doing well. Uh, that was probably around 90 days ago or so, I want to say. Okay. So, That's yeah, very, Chili's doing it the right way. That's very impressive, man, that you're still able to keep tabs on these people. Do you ever go out of your way and, like, grab a cup of coffee with one of these people, you know, any of you? You know, the prodigies from Business in the Box, or do you just keep in touch, like, over the phone, maybe, or email? So they, they text my uh, work phone a lot, and then um, we love to celebrate their successes. One of the neater things that I get to do is to be able to bring them back as a guest after they're out and doing it successful, and, you know, they can come back and be that positive role model that can talk at a little different level um, to the to the people that are still here. And it's got to be a great feeling. Um Right. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you have any uh, new people that you're working with that you'd like to any accolades, any prodigies in the program that you'd like to shout out right now and say what specifically they're working on? Uh, man. Yeah. I got a guy named Tim. He is uh, native and doing some native beating. And uh, he is 68 and he's going to be going home later on this year. And he's doing some fantastic stuff. He'll be going down to Southern Oregon. Um, and he'll continue his beating at some of the local shows down there. Um, he's done a ton of time. He's been in prison most of his life, and he's one of the biggest uh, supporters, you know, to business in a box and just really appreciates the opportunity that's afforded to him. Uh, probably like to shout out to Bob. Um, Bob's one of my clerks, and he keeps me organized and keeps all my paperwork straight. And uh, his business is called Captive Creations. So he does custom jewelry 
and jewelry design. And so he does uh, necklaces and bracelets and rings and earrings and uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Bob is on his 29th year, and he uh, on this sentence, he's uh, a three-time loser. Um, but he's going to go home and do things the right way this time, and he'll be out in 10 months. Can you imagine going home in 10 months after doing 29 years? <laughs> wow. It's going to fly by. Right? Uh, right. Culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember you were talking about earlier, uh, last interview, Adam that was doing leather work. There was a woman in Tennessee who had contracted yeah. him to do leather work, and it kind of went back and forth. It seemed like it wasn't going to reach fruition, but then it inevitably did, and it was a very, it was, it was an inspiring story. It was very, it sounded incredible, honestly, like against all odds type thing. Um, right. Let's say you know we're li- you know a regular person listening to this podcast or a potential investor. Uh, is there a way to contact these people? Is there a way to purchase their like Bob's beaded? necklaces or beadwork at all like is there, is there a way to connect with the community that we should know about yeah so i can give you my uh my work phone number and my email address and and we're happy to put that up on your you know on your website and blast that out they can contact me directly through email or telephone is fine and that would be great uh what's the email right now just out of curiosity uh my email address it's the world's longest email address but it's <laughs> daniel d-a-n-i-e-l dot bielenberg b-i-e L-E-N-B-E-R-G at D-O-C dot state dot O-R dot U-S. I agree. <laughs> and so I, was, I, I think there's like, let's say just a citizen wanted to go, hey, what's, is there like a little um, web portal or something where they can see all the different inmate stuff? Um, so we've, we've chosen to stay off the Internet uh, for a number of tactical reasons. It, it opens up... Uh, and it creates problems for us, and so uh, we just do local sales. Uh, but we're available by phone, we're available by uh, web camera, and we're available by email. Okay. Uh, there's uh, about a 105-year-old federal law that prohibits the the sale of uh, an inmate-made goods across the state line. And so that's the number one reason that we've chosen to do uh, institution-based sales and to stay off the Internet. Okay. It makes sense. 105 year old. Again, you know, with the red I tape. know, right? <laughs> it's like, wow. Right? <laughs> yeah, before so, then. Uh, so I heard back in uh, OSP when you paroled, you used to get a horse, a gold coin, and a pistol. <laughs> I think that's still on the books, <laughs> isn't it? I think it was a horse saddle, and that's actually where Leap came from, is, a, is one of the corporals over at OSP was doing some study of the history, and he learned that we used to teach some pretty cool talents and skills to to have guys stay out of prison and and then he resurrected some of that and that's where that came from oh cool that's awesome a little history and in, in, in for it too so yeah there it is tradition history uh saddles that's awesome they used to make saddles i guess leather tooling leather tooling has always right? been a part of prison i believe as long as i've been in prison um over the years i've always seen people in the hobby shop doing some incredible leather work yeah yeah yeah, so Adam's business, uh, a guy I nicknamed East Coast Eric. Eric uh, picked up Red Road Leather, and Eric does some leather goods. Uh, he does them slowly, one at a kind, but he does super high-quality work. Uh, so Eric does belts, uh, wallets, that type of stuff. He's supposed to be doing a notebook for me, uh, for me to be able to take to my meetings and stuff. So I hope he gets that done soon. So Hurry up, Eric. Eric's doing, Eric's doing great work for us. I'm glad to hear it. Um so just out of curiosity, uh, you've been doing this a long time. You've been involved in the corrections for a couple decades now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what do you, where do you, what would you like to see a business in a box in like, let's say five, 10 years from now? Do you have any kind of vision for the future or just more kind of keeping along on the path? Is there anything we should know about? Uh, I would love more guest speakers to come in. And I would love the program to be uh, connected with uh, college so that people can actually get a degree in business through Business in a Box. That's cool. Yeah, that would a, be awesome. A business degree? Would that be like, yes. a, like a community college or like a associate arts? Yeah, or? probably a, a local community college. So uh, in, the four years, in the four years we've been doing business, um, we're just crossing the forty-four thousand dollar gross sales mark. That's pretty good. Yeah. And if you like, if you know anything about 
money in prison, uh, $44,000 to the incarcerated would be like about a half a mil. Oh, I do. I do know all about the uh, money value of prison, Um, especially I owed so many fines. I didn't really get to go to canteen. So um, I hustled a lot. I hustled a lot of cars, like you said. Um, But yeah. Right. Um, You know, uh, so when I first paroled from San Diego, my mom took me to Sherry's and um, she, I, I wouldn't order cause it, every, you know, like what I want, you know, the stuff was all $12 and stuff and she says, just order it. And I'm just like, uh, so I didn't want to spend my mom's $12 cause you know, I, I could, right. I could bum a soup for, you know, 50 cents or whatever or envelope or whatever. And you know, I was, you know, my value of living was, you know, 30 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month. And, uh, you right. know, that was a good month, um, hustling, but, um, and yeah. our guys have the opportunity to make a thousand dollars a month. And that's awesome because that they can probably value that so much because they're in that spot and they do have that, um, you know, different value of money. Right. And then I get to encourage them to invest in their future, pay their restitution, have savings. Uh, I know Robin left uh, Business in a Box. He had enough money to go buy an iPhone, the newest iPhone, and an Apple computer. Um, you know, he had just made enough money over doing jewelry here that he was able to go do that. So that's that's where it's really at for me. All right. That sounds good. Well, Dan, I want to, first of all, thank you so much for joining us again, giving us a recap on Business in a Box. Uh, in me and Mark's opinion, obviously a tremendous resource. It's something you absolutely do not have to do at all. And I feel like you're just doing it out of the goodness of your heart and just you know, going above what they tell you to do and seeing the good, the genuine good in people. And, it's inspiring. Uh, yeah, it is incredibly inspiring, and we're all for it. I'm kind of walking on clouds now. I'm just like, yeah, I mean... Yeah, good for you. Well, thank you. We thank you it. for the kind words, but I, I got to tell you, the guys that I'm helping, they deserve it. That's awesome, yes. Like, like I'm not helping anybody that doesn't deserve it. So they absolutely deserve a, a little hand up and, and uh, well, put tell, in their pockets and, well, and well, tell, tell all, the, all the guys in the program that me and Dick said hi, and we uh, want to encourage them to just keep going forward, and uh, we appreciate I'll it. I'll do it. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, thanks. thank you very much. All right. And that wraps up another Fastest Hour in Podcast. Yeah, you can catch us every Friday, 10 a.m., StartupRadioNetwork.com, Felony Inc. Podcast. And our number one goal is to curb or stop the recidivism rate and make society a better place for all, and everyone. If you're not up out of bed by 10 o'clock, then there's no reason to even like get up there. Just get up and listen. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.